and welcome to They Just Get It. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm, and I'm excited, as I always am, to be sitting with my guest today, Miss Michelle Burke. Thank you for having me. It is my honor. We've been having a good chat online, so we thought we'd better get the get the, the, the camera, not even the camera, I guess, get, <laughs> get the computer rolling and start recording some of this. You're the founder and owner CEO. I can't remember what's your, what's your actual title. I call myself a leading lady. A leading. I knew you had a funky <laughs> title. That's why of Elevated HR. Yeah, which is Calgary based. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. Give us a little bit. What's elevate? What's your what's your elevator pitch? <sighs> well, I say that we are an employee experience agency, which is basically HR but elevated. <laughs> ah, nice, nice. I'm in marketing. I love a little like. Yeah. Uh, I, so I love a story. <laughs> we are workplace design strategists. That's where I would sit, and we will take a look at all of the nuts and bolts of the people and culture side of your business and come up with more of the experiential side of those programs. So we believe employee experience should really marry your customer experience. So we really dig into what you want that to be. And then when we build these programs, we want to be thinking, what are the team members feeling, thinking, seeing, and hearing? And that's really what the experience side of it is. Interesting. So the, the experiential, which in marketing, you know, more so today, we're all looking for experiences. Mm-hmm, if you look at absolutely. it from an employee perspective. Yeah. And has that been your mandate from the get-go or is that something, because this world of people and how we all engage, it is evolving, it's changing. Well, when I started Elevated, um, I started because I hated HR. <laughs> and um, and I knew that it could be done differently in a lot of, and um, I wanted to know how to do it. So in the beginning, no, it was a question and answer service. I thought there was a lot of small businesses out there that didn't have any uh, access to human resources and okay. they really just needed that fast and simple, hey, I'm stuck now, what do I do? Um, but that quickly evolved. And and when I really did recognize that connection between the customer experience and the employee experience, I knew that there was something there. And realistically, actually, we say it's marketing and HR combined. Interesting. And that's when well, listening to you talk initially, that could have been um, you could have been a marketing agency totally. behind that initial. Yeah. Because it is all about the customer experience. And yeah. who, who's your first customer? I draw a thing on the board for a lot of clients where it's your brand in the middle. That first next ring, it's your employees. Mm-hmm. But everyone's jumping to this outside ring of how about all those people that don't know us and we have to get them. And but you're tripping over your employees, your vendors, your partners, the people that actually make your brand come alive. Yeah. I went to a conference. I think it was 2011 in. Simon Sinek was speaking yep. at the time. 2011. That when he first it was. It was getting, first. Yeah, yeah, that was when they yeah getting to the why. But I, I mean, I fell in love with him almost instantly. And one of the things that He's really very lovable, very, and I just like the way he talks. Um, but the way the thing that resonated for me at that time was your employees won't love you, or sorry, your customers won't love you until your employees do first. And so I thought, oh man. So we talk all the time about all these great ways where we're going to wow our customers and we're going to wow our clients. But we weren't ever talking about how we're going to wow our employees. And so I started experimenting with our own stuff. Um, I turned Elevated into an incubator, basically, if you will. So all of the programs and ideas that we put into our clients, we've all tried them first and foremost at Elevated. And so I started doing little things um, around what I would call the experience, whether it was the onboarding um, package with right now, when a new employee comes to Elevated, they get a Tiffany's bracelet on their first day. And why I chose that was if I was scared to spend $200 on a bracelet, why would I hire this employee? It's a nice, great, yeah, that's really interesting. You know? If I'm not invested that they're not going to be here for the long run, then maybe I should look at how I even got to this point in the first Absolutely. place. Absolutely. Interesting. But it, I mean, it goes even further than that, making sure a computer is set up. How many times we've worked with clients where 
they, I think some of my clients still joke, oh no, the computer's in the box. That's their first test to set it up. And I just mm, think there's... That's weak. That's weak. <laughs> totally. And I just, I just think from a productivity perspective, if you can get them off the ground fast, and if they know that you're ready for them, if you've communicated that out to everyone, hey, there's a new employee starting, um, and people are welcoming them and excited to have them there. Um, it just makes a huge impact on everything else. And I, and I see that investment back, like it's a give and take process and they know that right from day one. And so we would, we build programs like that for all of our clients of what are we going to do that's going to wow them. So, and that's clearly a differentiator for you guys in terms of how you approach it. You're not just, Oh, I'm going to call you to deal with employee quote unquote problems or hiring or, you know, making sure I have a good employee manual. You guys go way beyond that. We do. I mean, we, we, we still start off with the very beginning. Um, we've built our own software I invested in our own software oh, interesting. Uh, six or seven years ago where um, we go into organizations, we take a look at the 10 different areas of human resources, and then you get a score against best practice and you basically know the health of your HR. And we look at two parts of the HR side, both foundational, um, what you actually just need to have. So we still want to mitigate your mitigate your risk, but then what's that transformational piece, which is really going to be your competitive advantage? Um, and that's what most organizations need to look at is the people side of the business is the competitive advantage. So what ne- are you going to do Never different? more so. Never more so now when you yeah. when you need a level of resourcefulness. Um, grit. <laughs> grit. <laughs> grit. Oh. I, I love yeah the whole grit concept. Yeah. So obviously you didn't start this from... from, from how long has that elevator been around? Uh, nine and a half years. August oh, congratulations. August will be our 10th birthday. That's all, that, that, that's, that's a real, that's a real time frame. What, how did you get into it? Um, so actually, uh, back in 1998, I was in university and I was working, uh, with kids with autism back in the okay. day. And, um, th- I, I was in Manitoba and they had a new program that they were going to launch with the province pilot project. And because it was such a new project, who it was being run under was a union environment, and they really wanted nothing to do with it. So I started, um, I was a therapist, and I started to get into the hiring, the training, the performance management piece. So I did that throughout my whole university. And when I graduated university, um, we made the decision we were going to go to Korea for a year to teach. And within two weeks of being there, they basically promoted me to the HR manager for the school to recruit other. Uns- but you're, you're at that point, your formal training was not in. I have a bachelor of psych. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Very, I say that would come in very handy. <laughs> it definitely does. <laughs> um, and, and so, yeah, so then we went to Korea. I became the HR manager for a school there. And then um, once that one year was done and I learned a lot of tough lessons during that year, we came back to Manitoba and I landed a HR administrator job. Okay. Three weeks in, I was promoted to the HR director role. I see a trend, okay. <laughs> and I had no idea what I was doing. And you're like 20 years old at this time? Oh, at that time, I was 23. We had just gotten back, so 23. Um, I Who's we? Know. Was this traveling with oh, friends? Or? Was, no, um, I met my husband in 1998 and we got married in 2001. Oh, right on. So you yeah. guys have been on this journey together for the um, government. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, yeah it's that's a that's a success story unto itself, but yeah, yeah, with lots of bumps and well, that's, I mean, that's we, the human experience, <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and then I saw this awesome job posting. Um, it was 2005 November. Oh, it must have been October. And my husband and I had gone on this trip to Minneapolis, and we just said we need a change. We need to get out of Winnipeg. Um, he was just graduating with his master's degree, and um, 
we thought, mm, what would be interesting? And Calgary looked interesting. It was going, it was nuts out here. Oh, that was back in 2000. I moved here in 2000 and just every okay. year, just a little better, a little yeah. better. But yeah, four, yeah. four five, six is when things were really on fire. Totally. And I saw this amazing job ad um, and it was before employment branding, but he had taken... Uh, the owner of the time had taken pictures of his company and placed that all over his website. And just the way that he wrote so almost colloquial, I was like, this is the organization for me. I need to work there. And so I sent him direct. I did my own sleuthing. There was no LinkedIn. There was no Facebook. There was no Facebook. So there was nothing. It's interesting when you put things in context, like you had to really want it to find somebody's contact information back then. Uh, you you did. and like Literally uh, private investigator. Well, now it's lazy. We just Google it and it's right there. LinkedIn, just message them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and so his name was Doug Gray of this great little IT company called Graycon. And I found him and he said he would be ridiculous not to hire me. And... Um, yeah, I put myself out there completely. This is at 24 years old. 25. 25. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so you're a little yeah, bit yeah. older. <laughs> yeah. And, that's all. That's uh, super brave. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I got there and he had um, one of his, you know, senior managers in the room. His name is Mike Blackwell, whom I love dearly now. But he took one look at me and I remember he took one look at me and he said, no way. We're not hiring her. And like right out, like not even. <laughs> he had written me off. Like his yes. body okay. language had completely written me off. And I've always loved a good challenge. And so I had prepared a PowerPoint presentation at the time, asked them if I could show uh, the PowerPoint presentation. Next thing you know, I had an offer before I had left. Um, That's, so you came out. And two you, weeks you, later. You flew to Calgary kind of on your, on your own I dime. I had never been to Calgary. You flew in basically and went right straight to Greycon. <laughs> Actually, I went to Airdrie first because there was no GPS on your phones at the time. And I didn't rent a GPS. I rented a car, but I didn't rent a GPS. Because I figured, well, if the interview went well, I would drive around and kind of see which neighborhoods would go. I was confident. You were in. Oh, that's... <laughs> we were moving here. and But of course, uh, yeah, so I was actually late for the interview because I didn't know the difference between and were they at their office because I, I the Doug, one, Doug's a mutual friend of ours so yeah. they were at the, the office down on, on 10th on 10th yeah. which is a great super funky oh, cool space oh man and that was before the before the additional expansion okay. um, yes you would have been on the one side and down in the basement yeah, exactly yeah. and I walked in and I just felt like I was home and I think even now that that's that's really what we try to talk about when we talk about employee experience too, is that feeling when they walk in the door goes all the way back to 2005 when I walked in and I just knew this was the place where I was supposed to be. And I wanted this job. And so when I think about office design, that's part of employee experience too. And that's all because of Doug um, and what he built. And I don't think he was conscious about anything. I mean, I mean, sure, there was a, a few of those things. He just liked what he liked. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Doug you likes know? what he likes. That's a very good way, <laughs> as someone we both know very well. Yeah, and, uh, and, and he was this leader that was, well, I'll be honest, I thought he was nuts at the time. <laughs> but again, I mean, I still think he's somewhat nuts, and he knows that, I, but I love him unconditionally. And Most of my bestest, my, my closest friends are, would put in the nuts category, and I hope they put me there too. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's a little bit left to say. Oh, but yeah. totally. Yeah, I think he would, he would say the same about but, me. But someone who believed in culture, someone who believed in the value of employees and creating that experience, I yeah. know that's, I know just because I know him well, that's how he built that business to be as successful as it was. Again, in 2005, he's the first person that I saw as a leader or a manager that was truly using the balanced scorecard, but had corporate social responsibility as part of it. He called it the karma box. Yes, he did. 
good. Yeah. Um, and nobody had that back then. Like that was his differentiator. And when we were fighting for tech talent, like fighting for tech talent, and I remember every day we were slugging and coming up against oil and gas salaries. Um, you know, those were the game changers back then is that he had created this amazing environment. And then he allowed me to be super creative from building and and again, so new then, it's commonplace now, but an online university. And how are we going to, and it was consistent in that. How are we going to build this better? How are we going to do this faster? Um, So it was a first real foray for you into a career. It it was a huge opportunity to. that, That allowed me to get creative. Prior to that, being at a financial institution, when I was promoted to the director of HR role, I mean, we were working in mutual funds and GICs and everything Very was, restrictive. was wrought with um, legalese. And that was, the, that was the first place where I was like, oh, I don't have to, HR doesn't have to be this dirty word. Um, Not some pre- preordained, predefined. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so from there, you know, Doug and I actually became crazy good friends. I got to know him and his family, um, but I was 25. And at 25, and one of those things for me when I was growing up, I had all these check boxes. So it's the reason why I got married young. It's the reason why, you know, career, check, 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 get through your university degree. Everything was about checking things off. And at 25, so now I'm 26, um, I started to self-implode. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I call it a quarter-life crisis. Okay. (laughs) Um, And... All these things that it was so prescribed for me, and um, I, or I believed I had built these very. When you say prescribed, self-prescribed. Self-prescribed, one hundred percent. The way I, this is the way I should be. This is where I should be at this point in my like. I'm, I'm putting the shoulds in because oh, shoulds no, are very dangerous. Oh, totally. And the only thing that I knew at that time was that there was no way I wanted to be a mom, and and we were my husband and I at the time were very aligned okay. with that. Um, we got married young, but it didn't mean that we wanted to do anything else. Um, and then, and quite honestly, his, uh, I don't know if we want to go this deep. And so, Go for it. We're, we're, <laughs> hey, okay. we're, hey, we're 14 minutes in. We got all the time in the world. <laughs> Absolutely. This is about talking about people's journeys. And, okay. and, and also, let's be honest, we look from the outside, and this is the whole point of they just get it. Like, oh, Michelle, she's successful. She's so lucky. She's so fortunate. Yeah. Oh, wow. Let's unpack this story. And okay. it was probably a roller coaster. So go there. Uh, I go mean, there. it was a roller coaster. And uh, Whatever you're comfortable, I'm good. <laughs> well, sometimes I know, I know my family. I often, because I do these a few times, but... My family always rolls their eyes and said, no, please don't go down there, please. I like, I can almost see them. <laughs> but They're cringing right now. They're almost <laughs> reaching for the pause button. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, I, yeah, I'm in this quarter life crisis and my husband, who we thought was going to be done his master's degree a whole lot sooner, um, didn't end up finishing um, as quickly as we thought. So now I've lived in Calgary by myself. For, oh, he didn't come with you? Not originally. He had to finish his master's degree. Okay. And then he was going to come. And so now we've, I've lived by myself and now it must be July and he's trying to reintroduce and I've never lived by myself up to this point. And now he's trying to reintroduce himself back into my life, into this life that I've built in Calgary without him. Uh, it was like, Oh God. That is, sounds, it's just, it's, it sounds tricky. It's, it, it was hard. And so one of the things about me too is when I get to success, I, I often get bored because ah, you, you love the chase, you love the challenge. Uh, totally. And so what'll happen is I often see my life as playing above the line or below the line. Mm-hmm. 
And if I can't find what I'm looking for in terms of my definition of success above the line, I'll play it below. Okay, please expand. <laughs> um, but what might I find below the line? Well, I mean, at, at, at 26, okay, so also being in, in human resources, it's so lonely. Um, a, everybody is scared of you, and anyone that tries to befriend you in human resources usually wants to know something. So you can't quite trust any of the relationships. Hmm. Um, I've never had it, I've never thought about it that way. Oh, well, and I mean, you're the playing worst... a very interesting role in the organization where you're directly connected to the top, yeah, but yet you have potential influence on everyone there. Technically, but realistically, it's more of just. Um, I mean, none of the decisions are truly ever HRs, but because we know when the terminations are going to happen or we know what Joe makes in terms of salary, we are automatically given power that's not really ours. And um, and so sometimes you can play with that power differently too. But I remember, so at the time I was a one-person shop um, in in the human resources side, and it and it is it's lonely now. I'm brand new, I'm brand new to Calgary, and who do you make friends with when you're brand? New? You can't be friends with people at work either. Especially in HR, that adds another layer of complexity. Though. Yeah, and then let's add to the fact that okay, just because I was successful at 26 doesn't mean that I was mature at 26. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> um, and so drinking and partying and, and those kinds of things certainly became part of my rhetoric. And uh, admittedly, I probably crossed too many lines uh, at Graycon to the, at the point where um, Doug and I actually had to say goodbye. Um, because I had lost faith. So the interesting part is when you lose who you are in front of, and I know this to be true, but when you lose who you are in terms of um, respect in the human resources role and in terms of everybody else, in terms of employees, um, you're lost then. Like if people don't respect you in the human resources or don't trust you in the human resources realm. Well, because respect and trust are pretty close. close they totally closer are. Later. They totally are. And and so, and I knew it. I knew I had one night had shown up at a, at a party and um, was just was not acting in a way that I should. Just having a bit too much fun. <laughs> it was just having too much fun. But one of the really cool things that Doug did upon um, when we figured out the departure was there's this course called 21st Century Leadership, and it's based out of Seattle. Um, and he, he said, I want you to go. And it's $10,000, and he was going to pay for it. And um, so in July, I went to this course, and it's actually how I came up with the idea of Elevated. So Elevated hasn't started yet, yep. but one of the things that they do in this course is they, they ask you to put together uh, a name for your big game, they call it. So how do you want to live your life? Okay. And elevated was the way that I wanted to live my life. That was your word. Mm-hmm. That was my word. And so that's where, that's where elevated has always... And so elevated to me was how I treat my family. Like I want to elevate those around me. I want to elevate my friends and then also the businesses that I would work with. So that was always how I would know. And what was really neat about that was that living above the line or below the line, um, if I always chose to live it elevated, I could always make sure that I was living always it above, above the line. The line. Um, so my husband and I did end up uh, also separating at the time, um, but we came back to each other, found each other again, and grew up a little bit. And uh, and then we kind of kept going on our journey. And I thought, oh, gee, you know, I'll I'll start elevated, and it did not last 
very long. I had okay. no idea how to run a business. This is like at 27. This is at 27, 28. Okay. And um, so I'm a raging introvert. That's the other side. Which doesn't come off. you know. And I know that's also the misnomer. You see well, someone who's outgoing, you immediately think they're an extrovert. But that's right. not always how it should be interpreted. And I'm very good at faking it till I make it. Like that's the way I've always been. And just successful because, people I know fall into that category. And just because I'm confident doesn't mean that I get my energy from people. Yes. Um, but in terms of the sales process, um, no, like that was not me. I did not know how that to can do be tough anything. On an, it can be tough from an introvert perspective. Absolutely. It's constantly draining. It is. The it fake is. it you make, it can be very tiring when the fake, when the gap to faking it is, <laughs> is, is, is significant. Yeah. Yeah. A huge. And, but I did find one contract. And, um, so I did that for a little bit. And what was really cool is I got to experience setting up HR departments in Columbia and Denver. Was this as elevator or was this as you as the consultant? It was me as the consultant. Okay. Under yeah. that, you were starting to to build and brew this idea for Elevate. Totally. Okay, interesting. And um, and the next thing you know, the president and vice president that had hired me phoned me up. I was on vacation, phoned me up and said, actually, we're leaving to start our own company and you're going to be left here running it and managing it. And I felt like there was just something was not going to be right. Okay. Um, Your spidey senses were going oh, off. Oh, all over the place. And, you know... Uh, Jeff at the time was actually, he had just finished his master's degree. So he had just started this job with a local company here in Calgary. And we did not have, Jeff's Jeff's my husband. And we did not have the money um, for us, for me to be suddenly stranded. Okay. And so I saw this opportunity uh, to become a, um, at that time it was the vice president of human resources. So I just went for it. I decided to screw the elevated side because I didn't have any other. It's still there, but you're not, okay, this isn't going. Mm. This isn't going to be anything. It's not not going to work. It's not going to do. Yeah. And I I just, I don't know how to get clients. I don't know how to maintain that. I have clearly not baked this idea all the way through. And, and so I went for the job interview and, and got the job. Um, almost again, same day they offered it to me and, um, and, and that was amazing. My first day at that job and I, and was a, uh, Tony Robbins was speaking. They had brought Tony Robbins in just for their clients and. Oh, wow. That's an intense first day. Oh, that was my, yeah. And, and back and, then that was like, is that, per, was that personal power? Was that his first mm-hmm. or was he on a second? Yeah. 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 We've all, and most people I know around our age have listened to those. <laughs> Completely. And then, and then at night, Bare Naked Ladies were playing and I thought, where am I? And this was where? At Walton. And I knew that they did some crazy stuff. I've heard uh, well, stories. Well, they they did. I mean, and they. Uh, That's I mean, intense that was part on your of, first day. Well, it was and and that was the question I asked myself: Where am I right now? And man, from a camaraderie perspective in a team environment, they hired all young individuals. That's why they gave me, I think, the um, the position that they did. And again, I played. I played often in these weird moments of being super mature and then super immature because that was part of the culture there as well. Interesting. So was that like a, a quote unquote perfect fit for you at the time? Yeah, I think so. Well, it sounds like definitely experiential and going over the top and creating this rich, rich environment. Rich environment. Yeah. Was it, it, was it, I'm going to ask bluntly, did that, was that a bit of a makeup for the fact that it was maybe a little bit of chaos on the other side of the scene? It was, it was certainly chaos. I I certainly struggled. Sometimes we shine it up over here because this is over here. It's a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, they were going through so many different things with the regulators as well at the time. Um, and, and had to become an exempt market dealer. All these things were going on that I totally 
if I'm being honest, didn't understand. Okay. But it was very much a play. You're 28. I'm 28. Yeah. I'm 28 and a senior. You're getting a bit older, but you're 28. Yeah. Senior senior vice president of human resources. Yeah. And I mean, and and now making over two hundred thousand dollars. Uh, just so you're immediately base. your world changes. Mm. Oh yeah, and you do things because you're paid to do things, right. um, and you don't ask questions. You simply go. And I was having fun for a long time there, and then eventually, just things just didn't feel right. How anymore. long? Were you, how long were you there for? So I was there for two and a half years. And so any any insights and in looking back on knowing you, it makes sense, mm-hmm. but was it just your confidence? Like you got, you landed these roles, like, and it was, you sound like you went for them full on. Yeah. Was, was it part of that confidence part of that? Cause you're telling me behind the scenes and I don't know, I'm not, you yeah. haven't said yeah. the words, but there's that yeah. little imposter syndrome oh, where you're like, oh, I'm going to play big. I get hired, but then it's like, Oh shit. Yeah. Run, as, run as fast as you can. <laughs> so getting into that, was it just, was it literally the fake it till you make it? hundred percent. Looking back on your secret, you know, what was your secret sauce? Yeah. I just, I, but it was a lot of hours. Um, right. I, you, you, know, still, you still put in the work. I did. And, and I think, you know, truthfully, I'm technically, depending on which definition you look at it, I'm actually a, a millennial. And that is what I was doing at that age, although I was working Well, you're just hard. turning the, and if you look at that, I think you're right on the top side. Top, it, yeah. Because I just heard that the, the, the first millennials are turning 40. Yes. Which you did share with me recently. Yes, yes. yeah, 1980. So yeah. yeah, which is, that's the cutoff, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and but... I don't feel like I ever thought that I deserved it. I never asked for it. Interesting. I just went for it. And to me, those are two different things. Oh, that's an interesting paradigm. I didn't ask for it. I went for it. Yeah. And so I, I, it was all about proving myself. And I loved that challenge, that game of proving myself. And that meant 14 to 16 hour work. Well, that days. sounds like your sweet spot, that always that stretch, always forcing always. to reach this next checkbox that you've, you drew out there in the sky. Completely, mm-hmm. completely. Um, are you, are you, are, when you talk about the check, are you a big goal setter? Oh, I am, I am a daily goal setter. <laughs> ah, nice. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I have all my checkboxes and then sometimes I will have completed something and I'll put it on the list just, just to, to check, check it, it off. <laughs> no need to explain. I completely understand. It feels so good. A third of the audience that <laughs> there's laughing as they, as they write down and go listen to the podcast and check it off on their sheet in front of them. Yeah, exactly. So secret to success is that goal setting and always pushing yourself. Has that been a big part of it? Yeah, I think. And, and then aligning yourself with really great people. And, mm. and so I'll admit, so now I'm in this stage at, at Walton and my marriage is falling apart all over again because it is now crazy amounts of hours. They did give me the opportunity to go to Tokyo and Hong Kong and I, I flew first class in pods before pods were cool. And, and, and it was an amazing experience, but I was never home. Um, yeah, and the, plus, the, the, nothing's ever free. There's always a price. The culture and the environment that they had was early mornings, late nights, um, and so that was a live hard, like work hard, play hard culture. Oh, oh, hundred percent. Anyone who's been involved if, back if in that day, exactly. And and that was that was who they were. Again, it does come to employee experience in a lot of ways, and it was mirrored in their customer experience without question. Oh, interesting. Um, they were consistent all the way through. They were consistent. And and that's who I kind of, even today, that's my favorite clients aren't necessarily clients that always fit my values, but they are authentic to their values. And those are the clients we love to work with. And, and so there's so many great stories about working with Walton, but at the end of the day, I just, 
it didn't feel right how they were treating people. So now the downturn starts to happen. Okay. It's and, specific, and the, and the specifically in real estate. And, so that, and when you pull money out of some of these environments, things change very quickly. Completely. And it just, from a toxicity and a culture of fear, um, because they were all scared of losing everything, so many things changed. And when you go from, from abundance to scarcity, that is a real, oh my God, Every, like everyone, starts, everyone starts cocooning and like building walls yeah. and that's, yeah. that's a scary, that turns into a scary culture really quick. Yeah. And it felt literally overnight that everything was changing. So we're like, oh eight. No, the, well, this is, this is 10 now. Okay. So, so, you guys are on that, so January. So to, we've gone through, but there was so many through, industries trickled. Along. Right. And so that's where they were, they thought that they were being smart and they would go into this exempt market dealer. And I mean, there's a whole lot of other stuff that was. And they, yeah, it's they never just, one thing. It's a series of things. Yeah. And, and I knew, um, actually, I think it was back, it was in May already that I was like, this does not, this is not my forever home. Your, your spidey senses are going off again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, to, um, so in May of 2010, my husband and I, um, we had separated, but we started dating with the intention of getting back together. And one of the things that he did say was, I think you need to leave. Like, it's toxic for you. You're not, you're not who I want to, you know, you're who I want to be with, but you're not who I want to be with when you're with them. And, um, and so I said, okay. That's tough to hear sometimes. Oh, completely. And yeah. yet we had made a decision. We were going to move. We were going to, we were going to, everything we were going to do was start over again. So we had this house and, and again, from the salary perspective, he's still in 2010, he's still not doing great financially. Yep. I am definitely the breadwinner at this point. And, um, but again, I knew, I knew that, um, it was not the right place for me. And so I was actually a bit of a whistleblower on a situation there. Okay. And well, that's interesting. That's a Jesus. That term alone gets everybody's attention. Yeah. Um, on a situation there. And uh, I brought it to the attention of um, the CFO at the time. And he thought I was right in doing it. And um, so he escalated it one more time. And I knew at that point, then all trust was broken. Of course. Right? Like if they knew that they couldn't trust me because I escalated something, we weren't going to have a But successful... from a values and personal morals perspective, it sounds like there was, that was a no. That was, that was a deal breaker for you. I realized my soul no longer had a price. Ah, that's interesting. And, and at 28, 29, that's an interesting part of your yeah, journey. 29 now. That would have been, actually, I will have just turned 30. And, and that maybe it was the no bullshit factor starting to come up. My soul no longer had a price. And, and, you know, again, I wanted to, to live with integrity as it related to my husband and, um, and, and all these things. And so in a way it was self-sabotage, right? I knew that if I was going to say something to someone, this, this isn't going to end well. I know that. You put, yeah, once you, you can't unring that bell, as they say. And the person um, I'm actually still incredibly fond of today, the person that I, I had actually said it to, he and I um, have randomly, he's in one of my client sites now. Okay. Um, but, he, you know, I, I think he's, he's amazing. And I knew why he had to do what he did too. But I still remember the moment that he walked into my office to tell me he had escalated it and I melted. Because now it's like, it's done. Yeah. Um, Were you relieved? At the time, no. Okay. Right? We had just bought the house. We had, you know, like, Uh, so it was just, you know, there's this, when integrity and reality (laughs) kind of collide, it's like, oh, fuck. (laughs) 
Like that's what, 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 I, yeah, what have I done? <laughs> what did I do? What did I do to our lives? Um, and right, because it's a bigger, it's not just the moment of like, Oh, I'll get over it tomorrow. No, like you've just changed the trajectory of, of what's going on with this role. Like it's no, it'll never be the same again. Never. Those are scary moments. Yeah. And well, so, so they're easy. They're easier to unpack when you look back on them, but at the, at the time they're very real and very emotional. Yeah. Oh, completely emotional. And so every day I walked in after that going, when are they going to give me my package? When are they going to give me my it's, package? It's that concept of the walking unemployed. Yeah. I know I'm going to lose my job. I just don't know when. <laughs> I don't know when. And because how do you, tr- like, I, I didn't trust them, you know, and he, he shouldn't have trusted me and, at and, that point. And, and now they know that you don't. Right. Yeah. Uh, and yet, if they were going to make that trigger right away, they also know that I'm in human resources. I know the of law. Of course, yes. <laughs> you no, know? so it can't look like retaliation. Oh, so the conversations that are going on in the closed doors. What oh, do we do with uh, this girl? Well, suddenly I am I am locked out of everything. Of course, you went from being like included and inside oh, the man. circle to outside. Yeah. Oh, which is a very back to lonely overnight. Yeah, that must yeah. have been a super lonely period of time. It was awful. I'm just picturing you sitting in your office, the clock's ticking, waiting for the day. Like That's how oh. I felt. And if you go to my website, I kind of tell the story too, where it was like I was doing, I was getting paid well to do 25% of a job because I hated it. And I hated being there. Um, I think but, it's such a real story though for so many people that get caught in these environments where the golden handcuffs and the mortgage oh, and the salary and what do I do, completely. but I'm miserable and what, you know, yeah. I think you said it, like what, what, what is that price tag I'm going to put on my soul? <laughs> yeah. And I, I just kept thinking, okay, so what else can I do? I only know HR and I'm 30 and I only know HR. And so here's a really, this is a valuable lesson that I teach most entrepreneurs as well. Titles are often used as currency or compensation. But when you give a 30-year-old with really not a ton of experience and she has senior VP of human resources as her title, she is out of the market. She is unmarketable. Yeah, at you that didn't point. do her. Yes. Like from nobody comp, else is gonna hire from, me. Yeah. <laughs> so I you know over com- over titling to get to woo someone like a bit of a glamour title yep. is so dangerous in the it, long run. Well, and then they also I didn't think, know that when I was younger either. I learned that over time. <laughs> <laughs> well, because then they also think that they should be paid that even though that that's not actually their back job. To, I read one of your articles last night back to the job description. Totally. Yes. <laughs> what are you actually doing? It's a Tuesday at 10 o'clock, but we'll get into that. <laughs> okay. That's another, okay. yeah. I mean, um, probably yeah. could talk an hour just on that <laughs> concept. Uh, so if I come back, I, I, you know, couldn't find another job. And so I, I went back and reflected. Now I'm really hating HR and I'm hating everything about HR. But I was reflecting back to these airplane conversations that I would have. And I recognized that when somebody would ask me what I did and I would say I was in HR, first thing they would say was, oh, sorry. But the second thing that they would say was, what would you do in this situation? Oh, interesting. So during those that made August time frame. I started really cultivating what I thought Elevated could be. And that's where it came to this answer and question for small businesses. At that time, there was no, there were consultants around, right. but there were no small businesses that targeted specifically small and yeah, It was more the single shingle consultant. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Model. And who charged their hourly rate and they would go in for projects. And I, I really thought, well, what if we could be this retainer type of business? Mm-hmm. And, and I think this is where you got on my radar. I heard about you guys, okay. like thinking back of it. Yeah. Like, oh, they work with small businesses yeah. and they're different. And, you know, obviously you're, pers- you have a big persona. <laughs> well, thank so you. So I've heard of you, you know, just to get back. It's absolutely a good thing. <laughs> just as a leader of an organization. I knew of you before, long before I met you. So okay. That, which well, is a good thing. Because if people don't know of you, they're not going to hire you. <laughs> no, no. So um, I just, 
but again, had no sales experience. So I was really lucky going back to 2007 when Doug sent me that um, to that course. The very first client was in that course. So I phoned her up. Back to good, re- um, back to relationships. Back to relationships. I phoned her up and I said, would you be willing to invest in me? And she was the first one. She paid for a year in advance. Um, oh, that's a nice big confirmation. Speaking of a checkbox. Yeah, yeah. She Land a client for, that pays a year in advance. Check. Yes. And I mean, our prices were super low then. It wasn't. But I didn't open up a bank account for three months. That check almost was stale date by the time I deposited it because I was scared I wasn't actually going to be able to make this work. Oh, wow. So you're doing it, but you're still just like paranoid and driving. Oh, that's so interesting. Oh, I mean, I think it was daily going into my walk-in closet, shutting the door and crying. What did I just do? How we're, we're going to, we're going to implode. Um, and this is just you at this time? Well, no, Jeff and I had gotten back together. Okay. We're in a brand new house at this time. He is pumped and excited and thinks that I can make this this work. Um, well, I'm going to speak from his room. He's got his wife back. Yeah. So he's super excited. Yeah. And even though I'm doing this thing, but I'm, you know, we're not busy at all. So now I'm volunteering and I'm cooking every day and I'm... Actually, my friends, I still remember they bought me these crazy recipe books because I was literally cooking every day. Because when you're starting, you don't have a ton of clients and you do your marketing and you yep. do your, your stuff for a little bit. And I was bored. <laughs> so uh, you, yeah. you strike me as someone who doesn't do bored well. No, no. <laughs> That's not okay. I will I will flip things over just so I can fix it, just so I can <laughs> oh, clean them I, up I like after. them broken. Yeah. Yes, I'll I'm break ga- them. I'm gathering that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and break so, it because now I've got something to do. <laughs> Um, and then in November, I met this interesting person named Cameron Shell, who ran a company called Big. Um, and we were he, he had was building this networking event, and he kind of thought, hmm, we might be able to bring you in under our business services. And so he said, why don't we do a trial acquisition? As like a recommended vendor kind of thing? Yeah. Okay. And why don't we do this trial acquisition? Like maybe you'll actually be big. And so I did that for three months, and I realized, hell no, I don't ever want to work for somebody again. I, that I d- that path started to become clear. Yeah, real clear. I've been told many times I'm unemployable, and I, oh, ta- I'm I, I, I take that as I take that as a compliment. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen next, but I am completely unemployable. Um, <laughs> and so he he, um, but he gave me this platform and these ideas in terms of strategy and how to build the business. And so now we're sitting in December of 2010, and I just. Um, uh, one of his employees was named Ab- Adam Joyce, and he said to me, Michelle, stop worrying about making money and just make magic. And that has been my mantra ever since. I have focused not on the money. I have focused completely on doing HR differently. On, on the magic. On the magic. And that's kind of where it's, it's – and then it just ballooned. Oh, that's awesome. Really? So we're 20, when are we, 2011, 2012? We're just going into 2011. Okay. And by the time 2011, so I had hardly All right, because you're coming made, up to 10 years. So yeah. Yeah, I had hardly made $5,000 in the first little short stint. Yep. Uh, I don't even think I made that. And then I got introduced to EO, um, and not to, but to be a speaker at EO. Yeah, nice. And all of a sudden, all of the EO. I think I was in the EO accelerator program back then, actually. So I don't think I ever saw you speak, but I was I was in that program okay. for a little bit. Then I ended up yeah. joining tech, and I okay. was with tech for quite yeah. a few years. But it was right around that. Same. Yeah, I think you and I have like kind of almost crossed. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe I met you at an EO event. Actually, that's um, that's funny. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's, it's Calgary. It's one degree of separation. Yeah, and this engineering firm took this massive leap on me, and that was our first really big contract. And then it ballooned. And you got that through being a partner with EO. Uh, not even a, like he asked me to come speak to his forum. 
Oh, nice. Okay. On employee engagement. And I could not speak. I was a horrible speaker back then. Um, But they believed in me. And so by the end of that forum in itself, I think four or five people signed up to work with us at the end of that meeting. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I love those groups because the individuals that even go to those groups, they're forward thinking. They're looking for change. They're always looking to do things better. It's almost like a prerequisite mindset to even Uh, be in those groups. Absolutely. And even though I've been in and out of EO in various capacities over the last 10 years, EO has has been so good for Elevated. That's awesome. Um, just again, that's a great organization. Well, it, and it is. It, it attracts great people. Is what I should that really say. that that's what's been amazing. And um, yeah, so so it, it, by March I, of 2011, hired my first employee. Uh, that whole story is hilarious as well because she, we thought we would open up Vancouver. Um, office. She wanted to move to Vancouver, so okay. I paid to you're, you're on it already. You're like, let's do it. Let's, let's, go. let's do it. Why not? You want to go to Vancouver? I like you. We are like-minded. So she was kind of out of a place for what, a little what bit. Can, what can go wrong? Yeah. What can go wrong? So we <laughs> met on Twitter in 2011. That's how that's we er, met. That's early days on oh, Twitter, too. Oh, that's yeah. really early days. So we met on Twitter, and, um, and she says, I want to move to uh, Vancouver, but I'll start working with you here. And I said, yeah, this is all perfect. So we load up my... Uh, she actually comes and lives with us for a little while because she's in in flux and (laughs) we pack up my car I drive her out to Vancouver and three months later I basically find out she's running Elevated 2.0 her own business out of the side of her desk Uh, ouch and it's like oh no and I'm an HR firm (laughs) so it's my first HR issue um but I've always been a subscriber Maybe not always. I, I I feel like, you know, imitation is the greatest sense of flattery. The greatest form of flattery. The greatest form of flattery. And, yeah. and There's so, a bunch of sayings around that. As much as I was angry, and I was, I was incredibly angry. Well, there's a level of betrayal a little bit. There's so many, yeah. And I am back to being still human. best bridge burner out there. Like when I explode. Blowtorch is explosive. Oh, we'll oh yeah. It's got it. When it ends, it ends bad. <laughs> <laughs> that is so awesome to know that. Be that clear about yourself. I know. I will I blow this mother up. <laughs> like it's going to, oh, that's awesome. Yes. Anyone that knows me knows that all too well. And is that still the case? Or have we, have we told, like, I, I know I used to run around with an ax. Like when, when I had to cut people out of my life, it was aggressive. I find I have mellowed a little bit with time and try to burn less bridges or are you still fully owning it? <laughs> I think I still fully own it. I'd like to say that, um, you know, ever since becoming a mom, that that's maybe mellowed out a little okay. bit. Yeah. Um, but I've just had an experience just recently where, you know, it was, it was over and I will cut you. Like it is, <laughs> it is done. And I appreciate so, that you know that about yourself. <laughs> I recognize she, it. It's she, not a flattering. She comes with a warning label. <laughs> oh, totally. I think all my, uh, my employees and past employees would say the same thing. It's funny on LinkedIn right now, you can, we're looking for um, a new team member to join our team. And there are so many people going, oh, I'd love to work with Michelle. I'd love to work with Michelle. And I can just, I almost can sense those that have worked for me in the past or those that even, you don't know what you're getting into. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when you meet with someone or when you're interviewing a team, are you transparent about that? Like it's, uh-huh. you're, you're super transparent about it now. Yeah, and, absolutely. Okay. And the, it's gonna, it, could, work, it could be a bit of a roller coaster. Where we work is no joke. So okay. we have awesome benefits. We have awesome time off policies. I feel like I pay people really well. Okay. But it's no joke. You cannot hide. And we have learned a couple of tough lessons where we just can't hire people from big organizations. Um, who, right. who had a person to do that, 
you know, you mean I have to do this? And oh, I've ex- as we've grown and, and got more senior leaders in, there's like, we have a very role at my business partner and I, we're very entrepreneurial, we're, yeah. we'll do whatever it takes. Right. As soon as I get that, like, whoa, geez, well, I'm going to, there's someone's going to do that for me. Yeah. That doesn't work with our culture. No. And as we started more hiring more senior peoples from other senior peoples, people from other big agencies, I've started to notice that. It's interesting you say that. Yeah. And, and it just doesn't align with our values. And, and it's unfortunate. And I push back. Like there are, and this is the other thing I do that's really different in the recruitment phase too. When I see people now coming from big organizations, I say, you're going to fail here. <laughs> and have and you I seen more of that in the last few years that there's been the downturn and more people in the market? Lots of, lots of people wanting to come. They think that there's this allure of, mm. you know, working with yes. us in the small business. And again, our brand is pretty pretty sassy, pretty out there. And so I think people think, oh yeah, I want to align myself with something Well, cause you guys, like we talked about earlier about taking a stand for something. Yeah, we yeah, do. If, if you're, you're going to be loved over here, you might be not, you might be disliked over here. Yeah. I think that's probably an even better title or word for me is that I'm incredibly polarizing. So you either love me or you don't. My clients would say the same thing. Um, we, we usually start on this amazing relationship and sometimes when we end, we fizzle out. It's not so great. Okay. Um, I don't, suffer fools <laughs> and so when I think you're an idiot and part of our part of our when I think values, you're an idiot I'm going to tell you <laughs> I'm going to tell you because part of our values is being partnership we're not order takers and that's a big I think that's a big switch from most HR firms as well is right. that they are very transactional I was going to say it breaks a- the transactional relationship administrative wise that's that that's what their expectations are and that is not what we do well is not where we want to be. And we don't think we're actually making a difference. It's not the value you want to provide. I'm no. hearing that loud and clear. No. And, and so, yeah, so you have to be okay with Do they sometimes. believe you that? Would the companies, because all the companies I've found, they go, yeah, yeah, I want that. But then when they get it, they're like, whoa, I don't really want, I just find that there's sometimes a projection of what we want it to be like when yeah. we hire you. Yeah. But when I call you up on a Tuesday at 10, I want you to just take my request. Hey, I never said I was going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, we have lots of conversations about boundaries and that's the other side is that I want to, again, I get the entrepreneur. So I know when they're thinking about HR is 930 at night, right? That's when they have time. Yes, They've been in meetings all yep. day long. But 930, bandwidth. if someone's around to talk to me, I'd love to talk to someone. I get that. And so in the beginning, we will often be really quick to respond because we want to build that relationship mm-hmm. of trust and accountability. But after a while, those boundaries start to fade and you know again well, the old you, you treat you teach people how to treat you <laughs> completely and then imagine you know getting a bunch of text messages from clients at 10 30 at night how happy you, again your family is around i don't you. have to imagine that i know what that's like absolutely <laughs> i'm like i'm nodding because i'm like mm-hmm, yep yes <laughs> and and so we and, and when you're very customer centric it's a very easy like you can be customer centric and still have boundaries and what's it's super crazy too is we become friends with a lot of our clients again because we're almost now a conciliar I, I bet you right. 50% of our clients would say that we are these trusted advisors that go, it goes beyond just HR. And so when they, and, and the people side of the business is the hardest side. I, I just a hundred percent, it's the hardest side. And I know that because I'm growing my well, own. It's team. absolutely the least black and white. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. There are no rules. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> there are no rules. Oh, you're going to put, you're going to introduce a bunch of humans together. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Who can't communicate. Okay. Yeah, yes. uh, yeah, oh, yeah. wait. And where does that start? Who's leading all of that? Um, yeah. And so they use what it's the leaders. It's the leader's <laughs> responsibility. What? Yeah. You mean HR won't just do that? <laughs> Isn't that your job? <laughs> uh, no. I think it's great to make light of this because it's so often you want to uh, get that there's that mindset of like, you know, leading by example is the best way. It's the only way. <laughs> it is the only way. And I mean, we do, I mean, there are so many, again, it comes back to our values and we'll work with organizations that, um, again, if they are authentically them, 
they may not be, they would definitely not be an organization that I may choose to work at. Right. But when they show up as authentically them and those values on the wall truly are reflective of them, I say, go for it. Let's do it. And sometimes it's teaching them. So we will start off in this administrative role and show them the power of working together and what that looks like. I don't go in guns a blazing, but after what really, built, I, uh, really, I don't. I mean, it's got to because that's like tr- trust has to be there. Of of course, yeah. You have to earn the right. You have to. Earn I have to earn that say, right. Yes, absolutely. I, I, but there are employees and clients are all warned. I'm not afraid of terminating the relationship, like at all. And but it, it, you're living your own values of like, this is who we are. Yes. I'm going to be very transparent about it. Yes. And if you want it, great. If you don't want it, that's fine too. Yeah. Yeah. But I find you'll probably get more raving fans that way because the people that are in are in. I, I, and that's what's been, I think, key to our success. I mean, we've still got clients. Actually, that one, the EO from yeah. 2010, he is still our client today. That's awesome. Yeah. And I find that also even in ours, the ones that stay, stay for a long time. And the mm-hmm. ones that don't work out, we, everybody knows really quick. Mm-hmm. Almost the second you sign the agreement, you know, you're like, oh shit, this is going to, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't, but most of the time it does. Most of the time. And then, you know, I, I've recently hired this year a chief revenue officer who's ridiculously good. We're at the point right now where I've had to tell her to stop selling, which is a great problem to have. Brought in this, the CRO role is an interesting role in itself of yeah. where I'm seeing that show up. A lot of our main contacts are moving from CMO to CRO. Oh, okay. So that's an interesting trend that I'm seeing. Yeah. And so she runs, she's running both our marketing, which was me giving up the brand and our baby. She would argue I have not given that part up at all. Yeah. So if I ask her what she's going to say, but we'll <laughs> yeah, have yeah. her on as a Yeah, one day, right? Um, we'll do her, we'll call her for fact checks. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, on the flip side though, she's, I mean, she knew the community. I was lucky I got to work with her um, through her tenure at the Calgary Chamber. We were there, oh, awesome. human resources. And when they went through their big shift, what normally happens with the CEO change is the staff changes yes. as well. Everybody brings in their own teams. And we made, we made a decision at that time too, that Sandeep needed to just rebuild whatever she needed to build so we stepped down and um at that time you know rebecca really tried to hold on to it and when she realized too this wasn't she didn't want to be part of yeah the organization was changing it was changing and that's totally okay and totally expected we kind of started talking about a partnership that we could create so she knew me for seven years i worked with them for seven years and so to hire someone like that and then again selling membership sales is Probably the hardest thing to do is selling memberships with an intangible value, which in a way, HR is also that intangible value. Yes, especially there's those moments it becomes real, but up to that point, yeah. it's a, it's a bit of a hopes and dream sell. So she back she, to selling the invisible <laughs> completely. So she laughs because she thinks this is like shooting fish in a barrel, <laughs> and um, and she perspective is everything in life, oh, isn't it? <laughs> man, so I'm like, holy crap! And now we can't keep up. And what's really interesting is we can't... Uh, I, I love success problems. This sounds like a success problem. It is. And and so that's why, I mean, we're looking for three people right now. And, and we're gonna, That's such a great story. Especially right, I don't want to say especially right now, but in this market. Oh, man. Do you hear stories? That's Pulsar why I do this, because there's so many good things going on in Calgary that don't get to see necessarily the light of day, big and small. Yeah. And we are lucky because we're kind of in that... I shouldn't say, I mean, you've got a great wooden table here. I might knock next, but... <laughs> do, do what you need to do. <laughs> um, in, in the sense that we are recession-proof. People need us when they're hiring and people need us when they're firing. 
um, and to figure that out. And, and when things are tough, like. having good people is even more mission yeah. critical. And then it's the, always critical. And then the other thing that they can do is we can actually, and I don't love doing this, but we will go in and replace HR departments too. The outsourcing. Okay, so model you guys have benefited actually, from the outsourcing side of things. We, so like I, we, we need to drop our, our head count, but yet we still need the services. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. We did it with a major construction company for three years while they were getting kind of getting their feet back. We replaced their VP of HR and acted as their strategic uh, their strategic partner for three years. And then when it was feeling good again, then they hired in someone. Did you help them recruit that person? Yeah, because we I know sometimes we've been in those roles yeah. where we're the outsourced marketing yeah. department, and then we help actually create the job descriptions. And because at the end of the day, that's their journey. And yeah, you have to respect that. We certainly helped. At the end of the day, uh, he, the president at the time, hired someone he had worked with previously. Because again, it's so crazy. But in a strategic HR, I mean, it's not crazy. It should be known. But when you that person is so integral from trust and that's what you need first Back to what you said before about just you get privy to so much information so much from the bottom all the way to the top and you're in this weird middle space i could yeah i never thought of it as lonely that made a lot of sense to me when you said that yeah yeah so 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 we do that what's gonna happen hr knows oh oh man the worst though is like (laughs) don't say that joke hr's here and i always wanted to know the joke (laughs) you know HR is always going to take the fun out of the room, but yeah, no, I appreciate. It. Do, do, do we have to call HR? I'm like, oh, please don't. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and actually, unless it's Michelle, and she's going to want to hear the joke, so it's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, she's got a few jokes of her own, I bet. <laughs> uh, well, definitely. And uh, oh, and here's a fun fact: HR people are the dirtiest people that you will ever meet. What? <laughs> totally. Okay, so now I'm thinking of a couple of some of the HR people. Um, my HR, yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm not going to talk anymore. That's enough. I've never thought about it, but I'm not going to disagree for a well, second. We started a dirty book club at Elevate. I mean, it's only women right now, so okay. it's easy to do. But yeah, I mean, we are, and you you and, fill a room. And actually, there was this uh, post recently, and at Disrupt HR, which I run, um, a woman got up, and one of her talks was HR is a 47 year old white woman. So ah, uh, and then it, let it go from there. <laughs> yeah, and I've heard you know guys think they're dirty until you sit around with a group of ladies. Oh, totally. and I've had and I've with <laughs> growth ladies when there's no men there, it's a whole another thing. <laughs> Not to yeah, go down that road. I know what well, we could. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, we fun. could. That's another. That's the after hours cocktails included party cocktails. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's disrupt HR? You mentioned that a couple times. Yeah. So um, it was a movement that was started down in Ohio by a woman named Jennifer McClure, and she just realized she wanted to do HR differently. And so the concept behind it, she she basically ended up creating this almost franchise model so uh, each city can purchase a license to do disrupt hr and so then we run everything nice so she built a brand she gave you some framework oh nice and so what it is though is people apply to be speakers they've got five minutes the slide goes automatically every 20 seconds whether they're ready or not chaka cha is that the 20 very sorry that's just what i thought of i've never said that word on air (laughs) i I don't think that that's what it is but let's Uh, go with it thank you yeah blew it (laughs) We'll do a fact check on that one. Okay. And so um, what I love is that after the five minutes or even during the first minute, if you're really terrible at it, you know it's only going to last five minutes. Um, and so I can, I can survive anything for five minutes. Yeah. So we just completed our eighth one. We do one in May and one in November of every year. And so we just finished the eighth one. Um, and I love it because it is totally disruptive talks. And it, it's trying to get HR professionals to think about HR 
differently. Interesting. Is it like audience people show up like two hundred? We sell out every time. Oh, fantastic! So there's two fifty. We're now in the library, um, which is amazing because we're considered a nonprofit. So we basically get it for next to nothing. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, two hundred fifty people show up. Twelve speakers. We've got wine, beer, Tavernetta, this great little restaurant up on Edmonton Trail, catered. Um, and we just try to disrupt. And and I I still remember my very first one I spoke at. It is hard. The five minutes every twenty seconds, probably the hardest thing I've ever done. I've, and people underestimate it. We get speakers apply to be part of it all the time. And the one thing we always shoot back is please practice. Like just because you're a speaker does not mean you're gonna be good at this format. And please be disruptive. The amount of people that try to sell I get so because that's not supposed to be part of the concept. It just pisses Challenges. everybody, everybody oh, off. Oh, it does. It does. And so we're pretty forgiving. We don't. Um, we don't get you to practice beforehand or anything like that. I think that's, that's might a big. Start that's a bit risky. Change. That's it, risky. Yeah, and we pretty much every every time somebody bombs. Every time. Yeah. I have a real personal, if you're going to get up there, practice, practice. get a coach, be good. Like, yes. don't d- respect your audience. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> respect your audience. And yourself. And, it, and, it, and again, it's no joke. And I think people do think, oh, it's just this little thing. And, and that it's five minutes. How hard can it be? It uh, is yes. so hard. And so even it Sounds for me, exciting. I like it. I, I love it. Like, when's your, so your next one's in the spring? It's spring. And I would actually even say speak. Like, I love it when other people outside of the HR industry look at people and culture different Mm. and can show HR people how to look at things differently as well. Um, The HR people, shockingly, aren't always great at receiving that. So, for example, last time we had... No one likes to be put in question. No. We're still humans, right? Right. Sensitive. (laughs) Totally. We had a panel that uh, was of CEOs where... Um, one was from the YMCA and she has a full HR department. One uses fractional HR like us. And then the other one hated HR. And he, Uh I told him, I was like, don't be afraid, but I want, I want you to tell a room full of HR people why you hate HR and what you think about HR. Anyways, one of the things that he starts talking about is that they had their first employee that was about to go on maternity leave. And he asked her to create their maternity leave plan rather than go outsource. I thought it was brilliant. The whole audience, though, kind of gasped, what? You asked an employee to build a maternity plan? Crazy. And I just thought, oh, this is still what we're teaching. This is still... And actually, we got the worst feedback. They, were, they all, A lot of people had ended up saying, we don't need to be told what to do by CEOs. And I was... Oh, wow. That's interesting. That, that is the issue with HR, that you think you know everything, and you don't. You don't know what it's like to sit in the CEO's shoes and have that kind of pressure on them. You don't know what it's like to not just be aware of your own budget, but everybody's budgets. Absolutely. You, you know, and and so that to me is still what's wrong with HR, and that's why I continue this, this to be, us versus them kind of mm-hmm, mindset. Mm-hmm. Which again, you don't want an employee culture like that. So no. you can't have key members of your team. No. You know, and there's that old yeah, my friend, my the girl who does my HR, Jan. She talks a lot about that conversation of if if you think of it transactionally, it's always on the expense side of the right. PL. But yeah. really, because it's your people, it's on the rev, it's the revenue side. Like yeah. think about it that way. Yeah. But if there's a binary relationship between HR and, and the leadership the leadership team, which HR should be part of that, right? That's probably you're 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 in for trouble right out of the gate. Completely. And then those same mm-hmm. people are then whining about not being part of 
um, the rhetoric or part of that boardroom table in those not decisions, feeling not feeling included. Well, again, that's because you've actually excluded them. You've you've set yourself up above them in a way, or they've been trained to think that you think that they're above them. So why would they ask you to be part of the table? Yeah, like so, you have to break the stereotype completely. Which, I mean, it's Toby, right from from the office is yes. what most people think of HR still. Um, or if you saw Office oh, it's Space, still, it's still a joke. It's still absolutely, uh, you know, yes. and 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 I think that's why I hate still somewhat saying I'm, I'm getting better that I say we run an HR company. But to me, I, when we go down that employee experience agency side of things, people are willing to listen and say, "Tell me more about." Well, even that. as you first talked, I was like, "Oh, that's curious," because like, yeah. you almost don't know what's coming at the end. Like, all right, well, what mechanism are you going to use to create that? Right, because you're like, oh. Oh, and we do that through the HR lens. Oh, that's a very different way to position it. Yeah. Versus, yeah, we'll handle all your people problems. That's a, that's not what you said you're going to do. No, and I, and I don't want to handle your people problems. <laughs> I actually want you to. I want you to learn how to handle your people problems. As soon as you outsource that or give the people side of the business away, you give away your power too. Right. And so you should say, own it and drive it. Back to the it. core competencies. Like if your people are at the core, which they always are, don't outsource that. No. Yeah, no. it sounds ridiculous. It sounds super risky. Completely. Um, and, and even recruiting, the amount of organizations that we that we see give the whole process to a recruiter as well, or want us just to handle everything, it doesn't work that and way. And hope that basically you put in a quarter and at the end a good candidate comes out? Yeah. Like that, no. And, and, and so we would no, much it doesn't prefer... Well <laughs> we would much prefer to spend time on the employment branding strategy, on, on what... Again, that's recruitment marketing, if you will. It's creating... Understanding who your persona is, who it is that you're trying to attract, the oh, same could, way you I've had do. A lot. We've worked on a few of those projects. Yeah. Um, the woman who I work with who does our HR, she was VP of HR at Lifemark Health. Okay. And her and I did a project back in 2012, and it was a recruitment campaign, but we came at it from a branding and employer perspective right. and storytelling. Yeah. Had massive success because we went out and go, hey, why don't we just try creating landing pages and some Google ads that actually talk about this exactly. journey? Because I, I came at it with my own filter, which was a marketing filter and a yep. brand filter. and and again, over a three-year period of time, they completely wiped out their employee shortage. They changed everything, but it, mm-hmm. we didn't look at it from a recruiting perspective. We looked at it from a, let's tell a story about this organization and why these people would want to come work here. Yeah. It and ch- it, it changed everything. There is such another advantage to doing that too, because customers and clients are attracted to those same kind of ads. And yes. they're like, if you're going to hire people like that, I also want to be a customer. Of I want to go check this place out. And so it's got all these. So fabulous, simple when you lay it out this oh, way. Oh, completely. But, but to get people to go there, I mean, and you've talked about a job description post that I wrote recently, the amount of people that interchange the job ad with the job description. I, I, I thought that was an interesting little point. That was one of the bullet points. And, and I was just, I, I know that's not what it is. Job description is a measure of success. Job ad is now a persona and it's, it's speaking to a persona the same way. And I, and it's, a, I, it's a marketing exercise. It, it is a marketing exercise. And should it be long? Like, would you, if creating a brochure or creating even a webpage, you don't put text upon text upon text. But I, but, but I want to tell everything. I want to say every point. I want to get it all. Yeah, but you just need enough a, to get them interested and they'll go find it. It's a journey of breadcrumbs. Completely. And, yes. and, no, and you're absolutely right. You know, it's so easy to I, lose track of that. Attention span again. And, and Sorry, so what? Sorry, the, what? The, yeah, what? yeah. And a squirrel. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I guess at the end of the day, uh, I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. Well, we got into, <laughs> we were talking about disrupt HR. Okay. We went through the journey of 
what it is that you guys are disrupting, which yeah. I think brought us down. I think clearly what it tapped into is something you're really passionate about. You just started getting more animated and yeah. more jazzed up. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm quite sure you're never accused of not being passionate or animated about things. Well, I actually have passion tattooed on my back. So, I okay. Mean, yeah. <laughs> Living it. Yeah. So, I appreciate your perspective, and it's something that resonates because even as a business owner, you go through cycles of it. Right. And you read the books about it, you're like, yeah, it's true, but then there's a gap between that and actually making it happen. And when you start to see it work in your own organization, it's exciting. I resonated with a lot of things you said today. It is a journey for organizations sometimes, and bringing Mm -hmm. in someone like you who's going to come in with these like harebrained, like, whoa, what's with your crazy ideas? It is a journey for organizations, Mm -hmm. but it's a journey you need to be on because Mm -hmm. if you can't get the good people, you have nothing. It's totally what we think. It's not that complicated at the end of the day. Good people want to go to places they want to. Build a place that you would want to hang out at as well, and Completely. it'll attract other people like Completely. that. Yeah. We're all little kids. If it's fun, I'll do more. If it's not fun, I'm going to leave and go somewhere else and take my toys and go. Completely. And I mean, like the talent, regardless if we're in a good economy or a bad economy, I will tell you that the war for talent is still exists. I, yes. No matter what. Because good people are good people, up, to, up economy or down. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. And, if and they're you often employed. If you want to get them, you have to go and get them from somewhere else. Completely. And, and if you don't care about your brand or the stuff that you're putting out there as an organization or the types of environment that, that you're going to create, if you don't care about that, you're, not, you're going to get the same quality back. Yes. You get what you pay for. You get what you invest in. And, and I mean, it's cliche, and obviously I'm saying it because I run a human resources uh, company, but I know that same thing. I mean, we have hired and fired juniors because I thought, oh, the margins are going to be really good on these juniors. But you need life experience to do what we do too. You need to know what it's like to work in a different type of environment and and from big to little to To small. To be able to have appreciation and respect for it. And and to work with budgets and be creative with no budgets. And again, the beauty of working with small and medium-sized businesses is when they say go, I love that idea, you got to go. And now you got to figure out how to do it on nothing. And, and that's if I only had more money and more time, but how that's much not the reality. fun we have. Whereas, you know, I, I have, we have, we are often an ancillary support system to larger HR departments okay. as well. And I'm like, you pay what for what? <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm going to do, cause I'm doing, I'm, I'm over here doing this with this. <laughs> yeah. And the change management process that are in these large businesses. I mean, shoot me now. It is, it's. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it is why we love the small and medium sized businesses, but then you got to be able to go fast. Yes. And, and that's yeah. where the resilience and the, and the grit comes from because you cannot. Yeah. That level up. of responsiveness and, and ability to make decisions quickly comes with the other side of being able to deliver quickly. Yeah. And that's an, and, and with results because everything is a little bit of make or break yeah. that new hires are make or break. Yeah. That recruiting campaign is a, is a must have. Yeah. And so that's where we've screwed up on recruiting is not looking for people who can adapt and what we're for doing for your own, for yourself, for ourselves, back to the business so, owner. To- totally. And, um, we do paid interviews now and, Interesting. um, and the, the, the best thing that I've ever done. Um, because it changes your filter before you even get into the interview. E- yeah. And I want to make sure that they can just dig deep and, and get it done. And I want them to understand the pace of that we play. So we set up, we'll either ask them to do real things. Mostly we'll ask them to do things that have already been done so that it hasn't been an impact, but we pay them, we pay them a real salary for, um, for what it is that we're asking them to do. And at the end of day one, we typically know. So I fall in love with all the candidates because again, they tell me, Oh, I've read your blog or I've followed you for a long time. I'm like, Oh, tell me more, please. Um, so I know I have this issue of falling in love (laughs) really fast. Um, and they are completely enamored with me when they come in 
and yet they don't know what that's like. That yeah. that brand that we back do to dating. Put that's up, that's first day where oh. everyone's shining on their best behavior. And so when we start throwing projects at them from seven different clients in one day, and if they get flustered, we know they're not going to work. Yeah. But I didn't know that. I didn't. I love the concept that. of doing an, an an addition. Like yeah. you're auditioning for the role. Completely. So let's like play the part a little bit, and that's okay. That's yeah. So our longest. I one appreciate we've done, you guys have done that. I, we, the longest one we've done is two weeks um, because she didn't have another job and I just wasn't sure until the end of the two weeks. And so often people say, well, you have a probationary period for a reason. And I hate hiring for the sake of firing just because I have this probationary period. And when they That's do... That's kind of going in with the wrong reason. A totally. Little. Going in with the wrong out. And when they do have jobs, I don't want... I, there's always this part of me that they left that job to come to me. I owe it to them. There's a responsibility there. It's a huge responsibility. So I think that investment prior to is far more important. Um, and, well, I'm sure and, statistically you could calculate how much you're saving by doing oh, it. Oh, completely, like completely. hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. like on, a, yeah. on, on a quarterly basis or depending how much you're hiring. And I decided, so we had done this and then I decided, oh shit, I got, we got to hire someone. We, we've had two mat leaves in the same year. Like it, it's crushing to a small business. Um, and I can say whenever, that when, whenever, when everyone's a key, a key person, it's a key person, but also from a client relationship perspective, mm-hmm. you can introduce. So anyways, I'm going through this this year. And so I thought, and one was going to go off sooner than we had expected because complications happen. Life. And so I skipped the process and I just hired her because I thought she'd be good. And at the end of it, we are both actually still, um, I would still consider her a friend, but we knew basically at the end of what would have been a working tenure, this was not the place for her. Every once in a while, you need to go test by not following your process to go, shit, I was right. I, sh- I did it for a reason. And so it's the best. I love it- your honesty that, you know, you mean yours isn't perfect? You, mean you <laughs> no. haven't figured it out as no. an HR, you know, no. HR professional? Yeah. Well, actually, I think I would. I, I, and I think if you would ask our team now as well, they are bought into this process. Well, a couple of little tests and fails proved to everybody. So if there's any yeah. naysayers, you're like, oh, wow, we didn't do it and it didn't work. We did it and it worked. Okay, no more. It's yeah, time. and it's every time. And actually, the funniest part is my very, the one, the employee that's been with me for seven years now, we did a working interview with her and she reminded me of that. That's why we reintroduced it. Nice. And she's killed it for me for seven years and progressively and if you look back growing. at the process. And I was like, oh man, why did we go off In of business that? sometimes I think we forget more good ideas than we've ever had. Like you like, <laughs> oh remember when you used to do that good thing? You're like, oh shit, I guess that was a good idea because yeah. you evolve and you try new Completely. things. And, but through that, there's some casualties. Bad ideas get left behind, but good ideas get left behind as well. Yeah. Yeah. So introducing that back has completely, again, changed our business. It's slower, but that's okay too. Yeah. What's well, the higher slow of tire? You know, what, mm-hmm. it's just so many sayings. I know, and 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 I know all those things too. I've I'm read sure you the do. books. As we um, are, <laughs> I'm sure your bedside table is stacked with them. Uh, that. Well, they are, and and yeah, so I know better. I knew better. Um, but even when we would do the peer interviews and me interviewing, it still didn't always find the right candidate. This working interview has shifted Well, back to the job description, back to like the key results. Do the thing, work with them and do the thing and find out. Mm -hmm. Because we could all be good at chatting. Doesn't mean we're good at working together. We are very good at chatting. (laughs) Yes. And especially HR people. They're amongst the best. That's the toughest part about it. You're in there selling each other. Yeah. They know to go look up my values and how they're going to contribute. 
and then, and then feed, and then say them back to you, which Completely. is like honey, is literally honey in your ear. Yes, because that's what we teach. Uh, so but, good. Hey, yeah. so last, wrap this around. This sure. is great. I really appreciate it, and I love your honesty because no, I knew I know that about you that you're like, here's what it is. Take yeah. it, or leave it. Yeah. What's on? If I was to turn to the checklist on your page of the future, what's what's coming up for you? What's on your what's mm-hmm. on the, those the, that goal list? Well, I'm actually currently in my uh, master's degree for industrial psychology. Um, the future of HR is going, I don't know if you watched Billions or not or anything. I guess. Okay. So this is a great show. <laughs> that is, it's actually real. They're going to hire more psychologists on site on than site. they are going to um, actually have real HR transactional because there will be a time where the transactional stuff will be completely automated. There won't be anything that you need from the transactional side. So who do you bring on? You need people that really get people. And right now, what I'm still seeing is, is that, you know, the payroll side still handles HR yes. often. And, but they don't a really know. A transactional task that's important, but it's not a people task. Right. But they don't really know people. So, and in, we are all seeing it. People are feeling more and more lonely, more and more disconnected, even though there's more and more technology to connect you. So, from a mental wellness perspective, um, there is just going to be a bigger and bigger need for licensed psychologists. And so I made the decision that that is what I wanted to do. Um, that too is depending where Elevated goes. I mean, some days I think about selling. We've certainly been approached a few times um, and what that looks like. So what's my next step? And okay. and if and we're seeing it now too, there's a whole bunch of apps where you can be remote psychologists so that people aren't having to drive um, yep. to go, right? Remove and, the friction, remove the barriers. Yeah, and so that would allow me to kind of live anywhere, be anywhere, and still oh, adopt so more my practice. Freedom and flexibility while yeah, still doing what you do. Yeah, it's something that I mean, I'm definitely chasing. But on the flip side, really understanding people and digging even deeper. Um, I have learned so much about myself in this role that there's, what I've learned is that there's still even more to learn about the psyche. And, and if I really do want to help and I do want workplaces to be stronger, mental wellness is going to be one of those things that is never going away. And mental toughness and resiliency is something that is absolutely going to be required. And so the better, the more knowledge I have, the better, doesn't matter in what capacity I'm going to be in. That's, I, I need that. And I want to be part of that. And I want to support people in there endeavors too. So that's kind of the future of me. It's exciting. And it's feel, it feels like, and just listen to your story, it feels like the natural next like, yeah. evolution for I you. I mean, as someone who's regularly self-sabotaged, I think that there is a lot to be learned from my experience. And on the flip side, I also just want to know the techniques and, and to help people really get through. Well, heal thyself is a powerful and you can learn a lot and yeah. there's a level of credibility there. Yeah. Going yeah. through it. I know mean, yeah. so many of those books and coaches and all things I've had, it's all about sorting out my own shit first. Oh, completely. And then it's like, well, I don't know what you should do, but here's what I did in a similar situation. And, you know, having that relevant experience versus yeah. that shiny and everything's perfect, which is not real anyway. Yeah. And I, and I actually, that's, so, you know, I've gone through my own mental wellness journey and one of the issues I've always had from a psychologist perspective is I always feel like it's there's a disconnect from the person across from me. Like they always seem like they're better. And I, that is the actual strategy that I want to use is vulnerability with myself. Hey, look, I've been there. This is why I'm doing it's not what perfect I'm and doing. shiny. It's yeah, no, I'm here for a I've been there and I want to help because I've been there. And I remember how lonely that felt. 
Um, and nobody was talking about mental wellness in the late 2000. Like, um, no, not at all. I think just the general acceptance of, hey, you don't have to be, do this alone. Right. Hey, you don't, you know, we're not that good at unpacking our own issues. Right. Get an external source. We've brought in a coach psych- with a psychology background in the last eight months who's working with our leadership mm-hmm. team. And now we're starting to work with some of our team. Mm-hmm. And the impact has been almost instantaneous. It was for my partner and I. We yeah. kind of went through, we called it partners counseling. Yeah. And That's immediate awesome. positive impact. And then we said, well, we kind of tested it because I wanted to make sure worked right and this guy was legit and he yeah. is and the impact we've now our senior leadership team has been doing it for about three months now some of our other team the impact has been fantastic like immediately the culture the dynamics between people just that second of hint once you take the blue pill and or the red <laughs> pill a little bit of self-awareness it changes everything sorry a little matrix i can't remember was it the blue pill or the red pill you took a pill and all of a sudden you're going like, oh, Freudian well, yeah maybe and uh, potentially <laughs> You can't look at the same thing the same way again. Right. Because you've been given a new set of tools. And I know, yeah, it just it resonated with me because we've done it in the last seven, eight months. It's an investment. Yeah. But the payoff I've already seen. Yeah. And it's and, it's intangible, but yet so tangible. Yeah. And the, and we have coaches on our team as well that that's do great. the same thing. And it is. It's it, That's where I think all of our, we light up because that's when we get to actually see the impact of our work. And so, yeah, that was, that's the journey. That's very cool. Well, thank you so much for your honesty oh, and coming on. You. I knew this was going to be a good chat and it did not disappoint. <laughs> good. So best of luck. And I look forward to crossing paths again. Yeah, I hope we do. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye. Hello, and thank you for listening to today's episode. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. I want to let you in on a little secret. I absolutely love doing these podcasts. The learning, the people, the curiosity, the insights, the the wow factor of meeting people that I thought I knew and learning their deeper stories really proves the value of what happens when you take the time to be curious and actually care enough to ask. With that, I'm looking for your feedback. I'm looking for your input. I'm looking for what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, where you'd like to see it headed in terms of guests, in terms of questions, a little bit deeper please feel free to share. We'd love to get your feedback. Visit us on iTunes, it's on Spotify. Give us your review. Give us your five stars if you feel so inclined. But more importantly, give us your feedback. Give us your input on what you want to hear on future shows and we will absolutely incorporate it. Thank you again for listening and have an awesome day. <laughs>